0: This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti.
1: What's actually really cool is at the end of the roasting process, I get this big pile of what's called coffee chaff. And this is super awesome for my garden, if you have a garden at home. Um, It's really, really high in nitrogen content. So. Last year, I swear my tomatoes were on steroids, they were just growing out of control. Um, But that's, I think, because of the coffee trap, because it's so high in nitrogen content, you really get a good mulch or fertilizer for your soil.
0: I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today we're going to chat with some taste experts to learn how to develop a keener palate for cooking. Megan Dyer from Newmarket, Ontario. Hi, Megan.
1: Hi, Mary. How's it going? Good. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks for having me.
0: Why don't we start by uh, you introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Sure thing. I'm Megan, and I'm a coffee roaster here in Newmarket, Ontario. And life right now is basically revolving around coffee and learning about that entrepreneurial grind I'm on. For the most part, what I guess what I get asked is um, why coffee and how I got into coffee. Mm-hmm. And. The truth is, is that it was really an accident. Um, actually, when my first job was at my parents' cafe, uh, growing up, I'd help my dad roast in the backyard, and we would always strive to serve that perfect cup at the shop. And I didn't really see myself working with the family until after I moved out of home, and then to college downtown where I studied marketing. And then after living downtown, I was kind of over the city life, so it was kind of perfect timing when I came back. Um, they were ready to rebrand our cafe into a small batch roastery. So I'm kind of a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, So now I get to really do what I love with the people who are closest with me.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And what's the company name?
1: It's called My Indie Coffee Roastery. Indie is kind of like a spin off of like independent, really spinning off that mom and pop shop kind of vibe that we started with.
0: And what, what is it about coffee that you love?
1: I mean, it's a conversation starter and it's a relationship builder. And I think that the industry has really thrived through the education of both the producers and the consumers. And um, that's something that I've really had to learn because it's not as simple as I once thought it was. Um, So really, I mean, I get to go to different events and different networking groups. And I tell you the people that I meet at these places are so inspiring Mm -hmm. um, and really helps me to drive my improvement as well as learn more about what's going on in my industry. So, I mean, we are part of this third wave coffee movement happening, and there's a surge of independent coffee roasters. Um, But I think with that, there's a filling need um, for for transparency. And so consumers like you and I want to know what's in the food we eat and how it's made and is what we're eating and consuming actually sustainable. So overall, it's just setting a standard for producers and retailers to raise that bar.
0: Well, you mentioned that you you began roasting as a it was a family event. You used to roast with your dad in the backyard. What what is it about the roasting process? What do we not know? What goes on when roasting a coffee bean?
1: Yeah, it's um it's definitely interesting because um, while well, starting with a good quality product is always key, uh, but coffee beans take on flavors from the environment they're grown, and there's so many other factors to consider. Because not only the flavor is influenced by the raw product, but also by the processing, the roasting, and then finally the brewing technique. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most chemically complex beverages out there. And so there's thousands of unique compounds that you can really work with to create many different flavors. And so to cook the beans in a way that's best to accentuate the natural flavors and the profiles in the coffee resource um, will provide the best payoff in terms of taste and aroma, which is usually ideal.
0: So what makes up that flavor profile of coffee?
1: It's kind of funny. I love the adjectives used to describe flavors. Like you might see a description box with words like smooth and adventurous, balanced, earthy, citrusy, nutty. Um, So, I mean, there's tons of different ways to describe uh, what you're tasting. I think beyond the flavor aspect, though, coffee is basically a fruit. The bean is a seed instead of a cherry. Um, So, where that coffee tree is growing, it's the altitude that will impact the flavor, it's the soil, it's how it and when it was harvested to really change the flavor of the green bean itself. But if you really want to play with the roasting side of things, which is what I do, um, coffee beans go through a chemical transformation every stage of the roasting process. And some words that you might hear a roaster use is um, the first and second crack. And that's a really key indicator for, um, for us because it really tells us where the bean is in the development process of the roasting. It's basically the moisture in the bean evaporating, uh, turning into steam, and then the pressure that it creates forces the bean to crack open.
0: So when you get the bean... The raw bean, is it green? It begins off, it begins green.
1: They're like a really pale green, yes.
0: And then throughout the roasting process is when they start changing that gorgeous deep kind of browny color.
1: Yeah, and um, when you actually start to realize like what part of um, the roasting process you're at, the first and second crack are really good indicators of where you are. Um, so the first crack is really just um, letting you know that the natural sugars in the bean are starting to caramelize and um, really starting to take on those natural flavors that are embedded in the bean.
0: So I'm really fascinated by this. When you say first crack, second crack, is it a physical crack on the bean?
1: It actually sounds like Rice Krispies going on in my roaster. (laughs) Really, It is loud. Yeah. And um, if you really listen, you can hear the two distinct different cracks because they say there's a first and second crack
0: oh i would nail that job so perfectly because my with my eyesight being slightly off um and deteriorated i my sense of hearing is just bang on
1: (laughs) there you go there's a good challenge for you same you can just roast coffee by listening
0: to it rather than uh watching the temperature right yeah how about i try it first i come watch you do it (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) when you start to roast more and more, where you drop that bean is going to determine the roast scale and the flavor. So there's definitely experimentation to go on when you're working with different origins. You can source different kinds of beans if you're trying to achieve um, a specific profile taste for a product that you're trying to create. Um, For example, if you want to showcase a more adventurous and fruity flavor profile, I may turn to an Ethiopian coffee bean that's naturally processed and do a lighter roast on it. And um, I find that you get a lot more of those fruity flavor profiles. Like our Ethiopian really exhibits blueberry flavors and it's kind of got a little bit of acidity to it. So it's definitely different than your more traditional flavor of coffee. So when you come to a roastery, there's a whole wall of different origins and harvests that you can get. And those flavor profiles are speaking to um, like how the coffee sits on your tongue. If you sit and focus, you can really ask yourself some questions to figure out where you are on the flavor wheel. So like, what does the mouth feel? Like that would talk about the acidity of a bean. What's that lingering flavor on your tongue? Does it remind you of something? And I think that practicing mindful eating has really taught me to savor those distinct textures and flavors in my coffee, but also in other foods for that matter, because then you're kind of like, oh, where am I tasting this from where kind
0: of deal? Oh, that's interesting. Because actually lately I have been leaning more towards the Ethiopian blends. Have you? I have. And I think it's because of the summer and I'm looking for that kind of fruitier um, taste to it and I'm enjoying it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely adventurous. Like if somebody comes in for the first time, I always ask like, what do you usually drink? Because it can really throw you off. If you taste something that you're not really expecting, if you're looking for something a little bit more traditional.
0: Yes. If you're looking for that strong, I mean, this is what I found. I could be wrong. I'm not a roaster, mm-hmm. but I drink a lot of coffee and I think I probably had coffee in my bottle as a child. Um, <laughs> but I found that with the regular blends, it's more, it gives you a bitter aftertaste. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. And where the Ethiopian has this, this kind of light finish to it. Right. And that's
1: totally speaking to the roast scale as well. Um, because oh, the-, the sugars are kind of, they're really working when you're in that first crack phase. And typically, I mean, if you're going to do like an Ethiopian coffee to really accentuate those natural undertones in the coffee, you would probably want to do a lighter roast just because you're not cooking off those natural flavors Whereas, if you want to do something darker, you'll probably get more of those caramelly or deep cocoa flavors, um, maybe even nutty, but that's just because the sugars in the beans are developing and really changing. So, I mean, if something's tasting bitter, it could be because it's not the right bean for the roast that they did. It could even be the brewing technique used. So, I mean, you can do everything right from uh, the harvest to the roasting, but for example, if you go to your favorite coffee shop and the barista pours you a drink that doesn't taste like it usually does, it could be because the espresso shot was um, drawn out longer or sat in a porter filter for some time. Like there's a there's a science behind brewing coffee too and that's a whole other ball game. There's uh, there's some people who really love the science of it and then others who really love to pour that beautiful heart on your latte or swan, they, they get really creative.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I like the, the little heart in the swan, but I, I'm always interested in finding out the background about coffee, like how it's, it's like, we're talking roasted to the brewing process. I mean, even nowadays they, you're talking about the brewing process, you know, French, French press pour over percolated. What would be the difference in types of coffee that you would use? So
1: it's basically speaking to the extraction method that's used. Um, so pour over is you're pouring a thin stream of water over this over your ground and it starts to bloom. You'll, your coffee grounds kind of start to rise. But what's happening is that the water is only hitting the coffee that it's extracting at that exact second. Whereas if you're doing a French press, you're extracting the whole flue of your ground all at once. So it kind of um, brings out different flavors when you do it differently like that. And that's kind of the beauty of the different brewing methods. You can really see what you really love. If a pour-over is more your thing or if um, a French press is ideal for you, I mean, there's,
0: different, there's something different for everyone. Okay. And like for percolated coffee, so a regular coffee machine, what's the process in that? Is it just kind of going through and hitting every single...
1: So uh, it's not... So much like a pour over, and it's not exactly like a French press either, um, because it's basically like shooting water up above the ground for it to kind of cascade and drip back down, and it just keeps going through that circle. So, again, it's just the extraction process. We use the percolators when we do trade shows and stuff like that, and it makes a fantastic cup of coffee. But it's just interesting when you do compare the different ones side by side um, to really taste the, they could be
0: very minor differences. But still, there is a difference. So there is a difference. If you use the same coffee ground in all three, you'll taste a difference in the Mm -hmm. finished product in all three.
1: Yeah, you could. Um, I mean, for example, I find that my French press can be, if it sits for a long time, it might be very oily. um, Or maybe I just put too many grounds in. You know, if you see something like that, um, it definitely changes the brew. So just paying attention to your brewing time or how much water you're pouring into your pour over at once can really just change change what you're tasting for sure. I'm on that iced coffee vibe right now. It's so good. Are you? The cold brew? Yeah, we, uh, we actually developed a nitro cold brew. Uh, it's becoming a hot thing this year. What? Yeah, so you brew coffee cold. So you basically get a little bit more of the caffeine out of the grinds than you would brewing hot.
0: Now, I've used a French press.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that what you use? Um, Yeah, you can use that at home for sure. So basically, you would set up your French press like you would for a hot coffee, but rather than pouring in just under boiling water, you would pour in cold or room temperature water and let it sit for 11 to... I mean, when I do it here for um, our kegs, I do up to 20 hours. So... It will create this coffee extract, so it's really, really high in caffeine. And then from there, you can build, you know, a cold brew at home, which is super, super easy. Um, but what we started to do is infuse it with a nitro, and kind of like how you would have a carbonated beer, they use CO2. Um, when you when you put CO2 and coffee together, it kind of spoils it; it doesn't taste so good. So they started to use nitro. And it really gives it that like velvety smooth texture, and it almost gives you uh, a head on your on your cold brew like a like a beer that has that froth on the top. Oh, you're kidding! So so delicious, yeah.
0: I'm Mary Mammaliti and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast. Today, we're going to chat with some taste experts to learn how to develop a keener palate for cooking. How do you detect the freshness of the bean?
1: So this is something that is. Um, different for every roaster. Um, There's people who insist on a resting period for their coffee um, before doing like an espresso shot, for example, because um, there's like a resting period for a bean. And that really gives the time for CO2 to kind of leave the bean. And it kind of allows this better opportunity when you're extracting espresso shot, for example, to avoid those kind of burnt flavors. But for me uh my palate is not as sharp as some um in the business, so for me i I will drink a coffee straight out of the cooling tray um and pop one of those beans in my mouth because when they're warm, they just like kind of fall apart in your mouth and it's super delicious so if you ever have a chocolate covered coffee bean I have you might know what I'm talking about, yeah, it's really, really yummy
0: yeah it's it, they're so good
1: they can get out of control though like. If you have a little too much, I mean,
0: the caffeine is for real. I <laughs> tend to forget that when you're popping those little chocolate covered coffee beans. Is there an examination process when you're getting your, your coffee beans? Oh, for sure. Um, sourcing your coffee
1: is, like I said, you're starting with a good product is key. And this is where importers will have um, like cupping sessions. Because in a cupping session, you're really able to tell if there's any taint in a harvest that... Um, you might receive and you don't want to receive something like that. So, they use cupping sessions um, basically to taste coffee. And um, so, it's really good because also, I mean, if you're just trying to develop your flavor, your palate yourself, um, it's a really good way to explore different varieties in a single setting because it gives you the opportunity to compare coffee side by side and ask yourself questions to better articulate what you're tasting and, more importantly, what you enjoy, right? So, um, but in the cupping sessions, um, for example, we use things like a flavor wheel, which is super, super helpful because it really gets the ball rolling, especially when the taste is on the tip of your tongue and you can't really figure out quite what it is yet. Um, But it's definitely impressive. I've actually had someone come in who can pinpoint minor differences, like which part of of Indonesia a bean came from.
0: Kind of blows my mind, but. So we talked a little bit about this, but can you describe the differences between, you know, the big taste categories like in coffee, like a dark versus blonde roast?
1: Yeah, definitely. So it's basically speaking to the scale of the coffee roast. Um, here at the roastery, we use a term called full city or full city dark. And that's more or less speaking to whether it's a medium, medium dark, a dark roast. And so that's what they're speaking of when you hear them say something like a blonde roast is probably a little bit on the lighter side, more on the medium side, I would say, if you're speaking about the blonde roast in particular, but it definitely does speak to uh, the roast scale for sure.
0: I was recently told this, and I'm not sure if it's true, if there's any science to it, but if you've ever had a cup of coffee, that's just a little bit on the bitter side, If you add a pinch of baking soda to it or salt, it would eliminate that bitter aftertaste. It's true. I've
1: heard this and I can't tell the difference. Maybe I'm not putting enough salt in. (laughs) um, Someone mentioned baking soda to me and I had
0: never heard that before. Yeah,
1: I've never heard of the baking soda, but I have heard of salt. I mean, I've tried it and maybe I just didn't put enough salt in. I don't know.
0: Right. I think I'd always be fearful of you know over salting my coffee. Really, I don't. I yeah, don't know if I want to do like that.
1: Your food, right? <laughs>
0: it can become disastrous <laughs> <Exactly>. very quickly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Are there any similar additives in in tasting process for coffee? So we mentioned two that people would do to kind of eliminate the bitter taste. But what about to heighten the taste of coffee?
1: So I again, it's a number of things that you can do. Um, whether it's changing your brewing method or switching up your roast or your origin, there is additives that people have used like coconut oil or that MTC oil. But in terms of flavor, you're really looking at the raw bean itself
0: to really work off of flavors and kind of grow from there. Okay, so if you're not really adding any additives to your coffee, but you get those, those tasting notes that we talked about, like the fruit or the spice or the florals, That you're saying is coming from where the coffee bean is grown.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, So Ethiopian coffee is more fruity, whereas a Colombian coffee might be more nutty. So if you're looking for something, um, if you're searching for a certain flavor profile, um, you would turn to a different origin if you're trying to achieve something. For me, though, I really love blends. Um, I have three different three bean blends, and those are my favorite coffees besides my Malawi roast, which is a single origin bean. But I find that the flavors all kind of like work off of each other and um, makes a really, really smooth, smooth cup of coffee. So we have our signature roast, which is a three bean blend from Colombia, Guatemala, and Bolivia. And then our Espresso Roast has an Indonesian bean in there to give it a little bit more of that intensity and bold flavor, but it's calmed down by the Colombian and Guatemalan. So, I mean, there's tons of different variations that you can do. Um, and I really, really do love the blend, but it's definitely a product of the single bean itself. So experimenting is kind of the fun part of it all, right?
0: Last but not least, what are some of the common pairings with coffee?
1: Oh, I've seen some really, really yummy pairings. And whether, like you can do it with anything, but I have two recipes that I go to. Um, And my favorite being a dessert because I'm a chocolate connoisseur as I am with coffee. Um, (laughs) But I have really started to love this uh, three ingredient recipe for avocado fudge. Um, So it takes one ripe avocado, one tablespoon of coconut oil, And then we actually did a collaboration with a chocolate maker in Uxbridge, Mm -hmm. and she created this bean-to-bar coffee chocolate. So I use um, about four ounces of that, and I combine it over a double boiler and refrigerate it just for a little while. And then you have this super awesome uh, avocado fudge. So I can put like either coconut flakes or coffee beans or sea salt is really, really good. And then to finish it off, uh, the espresso martini is another go-to for me. A shot of vodka, a shot of Kahlua, and then a shot of espresso, and shake it up. And honestly,
0: game changers. <laughs> okay, seriously, my mouth is open. I'm, I'm. I think honestly, I've been drooling all day. Now I know why. I was thinking of this in anticipation of this this thing.
1: You'll have to come over <laughs> and we'll have martinis.
0: Yes, definitely. <laughs> I will take you up on that. If people wanted to get in touch with you follow you along where can they find you uh where, where can they come visit
1: yeah for sure if you want to check us out online all of our socials are at my indie coffee indie spelt ie at the end um or you come visit us at the roastery i'd love to love to show you around my shop and maybe do a roast together we're actually on leslie street in new
0: market just north of davis drive so i'd love to have anybody who wants to come by excellent thank you so much this has been great i love talking coffee with you. I do too. It's been so much fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm so, so glad that uh, you gave
0: me the opportunity to come on your show. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mammoliti. See you at the next episode.